We're very thankful today to be joined on WXAN by Jack Nuzzo. He is the program director for the Illinois Raptor Center in Decatur, and he is here to talk about the center as well as the center's important partnership with Ameren, Illinois. Uh, Jack, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank you for uh, for inviting me on. So let's get to know you uh, just a little bit. Um, tell us about you know where you grew up and how you came to have an interest in uh, raptors and uh, things of an aviary nature. Well, I'm a I'm a lifelong Decatur resident. I was born and raised here. Um, I I actually went to Macon uh, for school, and um, I have been a, a a naturalist outdoors person since I was little. I come from a whole family of that, uh, and um, so I have. I have mentors uh, like my grandmother and grandfather. My grandmother was a huge birder, and um, she is the reason why I love birds to this day. I just don't love raptors, but raptors are my favorite. But yeah, uh, and then um, I'm also a huge proponent of of learning by experience. So I I once had an experience. The first experience I had with a bird of prey was as as a child. I was exploring some woods um, behind my house. Uh, and they opened up into a field, and um, it was the most one of the most memorable days of my life because I ran into blue racers, uh, which is a snake, and I ran into pheasants, and I saw a red-tailed hawk take a pheasant in the air above my head and land on the ground near me. And ever since then, I have just been fascinated by uh, by birds of prey. They're they're just some of the most amazing creatures there are on the face of the planet yeah they really are amazing creatures and you mentioned blue racers of course the uh, old wives tale i suppose be one way to describe it is that you can run at a blue racer and it'll run away from you and if you stop and turn around it'll chase you uh well that is true um that is a very true story i actually tell this story in my programs but um my grandfather told me that, uh, and I, I remember my brother and I chasing a blue racer to see if that was true, and we chased it through our neighbor's front door, and <laughs> <laughs> we just we uh, we never saw it come back out. But many years later, um, I I chased one at the center, and um, now they're not venomous. They're not they're not dangerous. You know they they are aggressive. Uh, it's not fun to pick one up. But uh, I did get chased back. Uh, it, it was probably one of the coolest things ever. And then since then, I've actually seen um, uh, some of my falconer friends. We were out hunting one time with our, our birds, and um, uh, I saw my friend was waving a stick back and forth, like screaming. I, I didn't know. First of all, I didn't know he was afraid of snakes. And second of all, he said it was a king cobra. And what it was was a blue racer chase. And it was what it was. And uh, it was one of the most hilarious things I ever saw. Toughest guy you ever saw on the face of the planet. Just mean, tough, rumble guy. And he was screaming at the snake chasing him in the field. So, yes, they do They do chase you. If you, uh, if you give them the chance, they will. Well, I feel like you and I could uh, go on for a long time because my dad, although I wasn't born yet, but when he was a teenager... Uh, he actually uh, rescued a couple of um, sparrowhawks, American kestrels, and uh, nursed them back to health after they'd been hit by vehicles and then was able to um, train them, if you will. Uh, he also had a red-shouldered hawk, I think, that he would um, fly and that would catch mice and this sort of thing. So I have a great appreciation for 
birds as well was brought up around it and um, learned the you know bird book really by sight before i could read the names in the book so in any case i can uh, have an appreciation for what you uh, do now turning back to the um, the illinois raptor center uh, what exactly does the illinois raptor center do so we have a we have a we have this really cool mission statement which i can never memorize but i shortened it up and uh, so if it has to do with the conservation of birds of prey we're involved with it in one way, shape, or form. And so mainly what we are is a wildlife hospital. So we, we work on injured birds of prey. Um, we have a, a, a wonderful facility that is just, I'm so proud of our hospital. It's just getting better and better and better as the years go along. I remember when we first started, you know, we were just, we just didn't have that much equipment and we were guessing on a lot of things. And now we have a lot more diagnostic equipment. And hopefully by the end of this summer we'll have our own x-ray machine there too so uh we so we work on injured birds of prey um we partner with um millican university for uh multiple research projects into the health of birds of prey so we've looked into things uh and we've done studies on stuff like west nile and and, uh, uh conjunctivitis which is pink eye uh and um lyme's disease uh and lead that's probably what we've been kind of famous for as our, our lead study. So we were once featured on CBS for our lead, lead study. Uh, we also banders, we run a banding station. So we ban birds. Um, and we recently expanded that, uh, bird banding to include raptors. We have a, a, a huge, uh, raptor banding project that starts this fall. And, uh, um, so that allows us to go out. We're going to be trapping birds of prey. We're going to be banding them. And we're also drawing blood for them and building up kind of a database of, of, um, what normal blood values are and, and, and birds of prey. Uh, and we also do education. We travel, uh, the state, uh, sometimes other states, and we have a group of birds of prey that we, um, they're non-releasable birds of prey. Uh, so these are birds that have been permanently injured in some way, shape or form. Some of them are captive bred. Uh, and we, we, we travel and do education programs, which is, uh, um, kind of what we've been doing for, uh, Ameren here lately is doing a lot of programs for them. Uh, and so, yeah, if it has to do with birds of prey, we, we, we've, we're usually involved in some way, shape, or form. We also consult for state and federal agencies when it comes to birds of prey. We're involved in endangered species recovery, like the ospreys. Uh, yeah, we, we're involved. I, I always laugh when there's like a rare bird of prey sighting or something like that. I'm like, how come we weren't informed about this? You know, because we're just, we're so involved with birds of prey, it's like crazy. Jack Nuzo is with us. He is the program director for the Illinois Raptor Center in Decatur, Illinois. Uh, the Illinois Raptor Center also has one of the largest in-flight cages in the state. Uh, I guess the first question, followed by a second question, is what is an in-flight cage and how big is this thing? So we, we have, uh, it's actually an outdoor flight facility. Um, so when a bird of prey comes in, let's say a red-tailed hawk's hit by a car, um, and, um, and so it goes through the veterinary process and let's say it's wing gets healed as far as, uh, there's surgery on the wing, the wing is pinned and then it starts using its wing again. That process for that wing to heal is, could be up to two to three months. So the, the bird will lose muscle condition while it's, um, in captivity. So we can't just get the wing fixed and then chuck it. And we got to make sure that that bird is is physically able to fly, physically able to maneuver. And so the best way to do that is just to have a giant flight facility. Um, so 
I think it's about six or seven years ago. Um, we, we, we purchased another piece of property at the Raptor center. We bought next door and then we decided to start this five year plan. And one of the things I wanted to build was a, a new flight facility. At that time we had three flight facilities. They were all 30 feet long. They were only uh, about eight feet high and about 12 feet wide. So I designed and, um, what we call super flight, which is actually 409 feet long. We couldn't get that extra foot. I, I tried, <laughs> but we just couldn't get that extra foot. It's 409 feet long. It is 19 foot high at the highest point. It's on a hill and, uh, um, and it's 16 foot wide. Uh, and it's actually seven flight facilities in one. So we can configure this with some giant doors. Um, and it is the largest flight facility for uh, birds of prey in the United, in the continental United States. Uh, nobody has one that big. Uh, and um, it took us three years to build it. Uh, it was a, it was a huge project. Um, I remember when it was done, I was so happy when it was done. It was such a, it was such a pain to build, but, but it was worth it. And, uh, um, and this is, you know, uh, this it's, it's, I cannot describe to you what it's like when you have like three bald eagles that are all in there for, for conditioning and they're flying over your head. They're almost, they're not soaring, but they're, they're just huge birds and they're just flying over your head like crows. And it just, uh, it's, it's a hell of a sight to see. And uh, so, yes, that is, that is one of our claim to fame is we do have the largest flight facility in North America. And, um, and it's been wonderful for us. It's, it conditions birds. Uh, the birds come out of there. They're super strong. They're super fast and helps them, uh, you know, with that second chance that they get at life when we release them. And I believe Amron, Illinois, played a role in helping construct the uh, flight area. Is that right? Oh, yeah, they played a major role. So first of all, they actually loaned us a couple of their engineers. Uh, so I ran kind of the ideas behind their engineers, and their engineers helped us stake out the spot. Um, if you look at the flight from the air, it looks like a giant reverse question mark. It kind of winds through our property. And then Amron bought us the poles. Uh, there was uh, there's 64 24-foot 6x6s. Uh, so you have to bury a lot of that pole in the ground for it to be sturdy. And then that was the other thing that they did was they uh, they provided a crew of uh, uh, of um, uh, linemen who set those poles uh, for us. Uh, they, they we had them for three days, and uh, they were a wonderful group of guys. And so um, yeah, it was like semi trucks of these giant poles, and uh, and then uh, these guys with their their uh, big truck, their bucket truck, and drilling the holes and setting them for us. And, uh, yeah, we, we probably would have been behind a big time if we did not have those guys set up for us. So, yeah, they, they contributed to Superflight a great deal. And then the rest of it, we just kind of finished ourselves through uh, other contractors. You know, I'm already a little bit aware of the next topic that I want to broach, but it's the idea of making power poles and wires avian safe. And I know that was done around the Raptor Center facilities and has been done in other places throughout the state of Illinois. What uh, does that entail? So when Amron, Amron approached us about partnering with them for their avian protection program, and um, I remember the first thing I asked was, was like, okay, yeah, this would be cool, but hey, before we do that, why don't you make our property avian safe? Because we had some structures on the property that weren't avian safe. And so there are, there are various ways that birds of prey can harm themselves on on the system. And, um, 
And I thought, you know, what a what a great way to start this off is that, you know, if we're a Raptor Center, we should have Raptor safe equipment. And and they agreed. And so they, they sent a crew over and they installed um, pretty much every type of avian protection gear there was. I think some of it we don't even need, but it's up there so I can at least point it out to people. Um, so one of the things that they did was, you know, uh, they put what we call avian diverters. So we have some power lines that go down our drive, but they're backdropped by the woods. So they, if you're a bird flying that direction, you can't see the wires because of the dark background. And so there's a chance that birds, I've seen great blue herons hit the wires and stuff. So they put these little reflectors. They're, um, they're, they look like little, they're little triangles and they snap onto the, the line itself and they have a reflector on each side. And so they move and plus they reflect any amount of light. So uh, one of these days, I'd love to get a picture of this, but I've literally seen birds flying and then go up over the wire when they see the deflectors. And so they put in a bunch of other stuff. And then on top of that, it educated me on on the uh, on how these systems work and and how these these protection devices work. The other thing about Ameren too was, and I've dealt with some other utility companies, but Ameren was really. I, I remember when I first talked to them, they were really really. Uh, adamant about if they're going to put up avian protection equipment, it's got to last a while. They can't keep changing it all the time. And so their their engineers worked with the companies that made it and um, made the stuff, and they made sure that you know that was long lived, so they wouldn't have to like to replace this stuff. Um, and it, I, you know, it was a great education for me. Um, you know, sometimes in the field, you know, people love to point fingers and say, oh, you know, this is horrible. And, and trust me, a bald eagle getting electrocuted is not a fun experience for the eagle or for us. But Ameren, you know, showed me that day when they installed the equipment and when I was talking to those guys that they really do have a commitment to this. It's just that you can't turn all of Illinois avian safe overnight. It's going to take some time. And so that's another thing that Ameren did was they, they worked out a uh, – Ideal. So whenever they replace systems, whenever they replace uh, transmission lines, the new step that goes up is always avian safe. And uh, and so it was really, really interesting working with them. I feel that out of all the rehabbers there is, uh, there are, um, that I have a pretty good grasp on how how these systems work and how to prevent that stuff. Um, I've educated for you know why birds so for example like you know a bald eagle uh, when you look at a utility pole and these are systems that were built you know these were created over a hundred years ago right and nobody thought back then that they were putting up part of one of the greatest bird perches there are on the face of the planet i mean you've got this pole you've got this cross arm it's a bird perch it's just a big beautiful bird perch is what it is and we have species of raptors out there that perch and hunt. And so they readily, readily use these systems. And um, so when, let's say a bald eagle lands on that cross arm, its wingspan is so big, you know, bald eagles kind of a seven to seven and a half foot wingspan that there's the ability to touch phase to phase. So they can touch one wire with one wing and another wire with the other wing. And then they tend to short out between that. And so, um, you know, when it came time that Ameren realized that this was happening and they wanted to do something about it, uh, you know, that's when the engineers got involved and those guys I talked to. So one of the things that they do is like make that cross arm bigger 
They make it longer so the eagle can't touch phase to phase. And if they can't do that, then there's all kinds of protective gear like rubber bumpers and stuff like that. So working with them on the avian safe program or the avian protection program, I really got to know a lot of the employees in Ameren and realized that they're just as nuts about birds and birds of prey as, as we are. Um, and I got to learn a lot about the system. So I educated myself on how these systems work. And, and so I'm much better armed when I'm talking to the public about, yes, this does happen. There are ways we can fix this. There are ways we can eliminate this. And in time, it will, it will be, it will all be avian safe with, you know, uh, and, and not, not quickly, but within time, we're not going to have to worry too much about it anymore. We're very thankful to be visiting today with Jack Nuzzo. He is the program director for the Illinois Raptor Center in Decatur. I understand that uh, Amron has partnered with you on a Wild About Wildlife presentation in Marion recently. Yeah, we, we've been doing some programs for them uh, all over the place, uh, mainly down down in that neck of the woods. And uh, we've been going into some uh, uh, summer camps at, at, uh, at some Ys. Uh, YMCA's and stuff, and just talking to the kids about the natural history of birds of prey, uh, which they love. And we, we've been bringing in live birds, so we brought in a, our standard crew for this was we brought in a red-tailed hawk, a peregrine falcon, a barn owl, and a turkey vulture. Uh, turkey vultures are huge birds. Nobody, I don't think people realize that a, a male turkey vulture has a six-foot wingspan. And so not only were we talking about the natural history of those birds and their importance in the ecosystem, uh, but we also told stories because every one of those birds we've had some sort of uh, interaction with, with Ameren. Um, so, for example, Ameren has provided um, peregrine falcon nest boxes at some of their facilities along the Mississippi River. And so they've had peregrine falcons using these nest boxes for years. And uh, one of their nest boxes fell apart. And so uh, some of the folks called me up and said, do you have a... Do you have any new, are there any newer plans for nest boxes? And I said, I'll do you one better. I've got four nest boxes stashed in my barn. So they sent some of their engineers over and we, uh, we took one out, we put it together. I showed them the modifications I had. And so they went and, and put that up, which is awesome because, um, you know, not only is it great nesting habitat for the peregrines and not only is the peregrine falcon, a, a recovered federally, uh, federally endangered species, um, peregrine falcons eat lots of pigeons. And so they tend not to have, a lot of those pigeons. Now, I'm not saying that's all they eat, but I will tell you that when you have a nesting peregrine falcon at your site, you don't have as many pigeons hanging around. <laughs> they just they just don't want to camp out in Godzilla's backyard. And so, uh, you know, we so we told stories like that, uh, and just you know, just some of the concerns that Ameren uh, or some of the things that Ameren does to keep those birds of populations going. One of the things this is off topic from our subject at hand concerning what Ameren has been doing, but one of the things I've noticed in Murfreesboro, my hometown, in recent years is there have been a lot more Mississippi kites, and um, uh, some of these uh, birds have expanded their range lately. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, this has been happening. You know, it's really weird because we got our first kite in this year. Um, uh, there is literally a quiz as a volunteer that you take there's like a really fun quiz that we give volunteers after a few months. And on that is like name, a, name a bird of prey that we've never admitted into the Raptor center. There's a couple of them. And Mississippi kite was always one of them. I mean, I've heard of them. Um, I've seen them down in Louisiana, but I've never actually seen one in Illinois and we've never gotten one in. And literally uh, about a month ago, uh, my boss called and said, there's a Mississippi kite coming in. LOL. 
And I said, uh, okay, because we like, no, there's no chance of us getting a Mississippi kite in. And I got to the center, and she said, you're not going to believe this. It's a Mississippi kite. And I was, we were a little shocked. And not only were we shocked, they're small birds. They're not very big. They eat mainly insects. And usually when a small bird gets hit, we believe this one was hit by a car. And not only was it hit by a car, um, it was wounded, and a cooper stock tried to eat it. Um, usually smaller birds, when they get hit, they're pretty mangled. And this guy... He had a, a, a fracture that was self-supporting, so he didn't have to do any surgery. And he was just as calm as can be. And so we actually let that heal up, and then we put him in Superflight, and he was in there catching his own bugs on his own accord, and we, we released him back um, where he was found, which was Springfield. So, yes, uh, Mississippi kites are these birds that are starting to kind of urbanize a little bit. They're starting to move into urban areas. Now, if you go out, like, the southeast – they're actually very common in some of those neighborhoods there, but this is a bird species that is starting to slowly move in. And it's great because they eat a lot of insects. So they'll keep the insects down in your neighborhood. Um, they're not very big, but not very threatening. Uh, and so, uh, but yes, this is a bird that is really starting to, uh, to appear in urban areas. And, uh, and I believe I'm, I might be wrong, but, this first kite that we got in probably isn't going to be the last one we get in. I bet we start seeing some more of those in the next 10 years. Jack Nuzo has been our guest today. Jack, last question for you. How can people get uh, involved or contribute to the Illinois Raptor Center? Well, there's all kinds of ways. You can uh, you can visit us. on. We have a Facebook page, and you can donate through the Facebook page. We do a monthly fundraiser called $2 Tuesday, which is uh, – Every first Tuesday of every month you can donate or if you want to donate any other time you can do that through our, our PayPal link you can always uh, visit our website which is www.illinoisraptorcenter.org um, and uh, yeah you could those, those are several ways uh, you can also get on there sometimes we do public programs most of our programs aren't public but if we do some uh, sometimes we post those and you can catch us at a program but um, yeah, just look us up uh, via Facebook, uh, Instagram, which is, would be me, as, uh, Jacques Nuzo. I I have the Instagram page for the Raptor Center combined with mine. But, yeah, um, or you can always just give us a call and uh, and uh, say, hey, what's your address? And we're, we're always happy to take a check. Uh, but, yes, there, there are many ways online to find us. Jack Nuzo has been our guest today. Jack, uh, thank you for the intriguing conversation. We really appreciate your time. All right. Thank you.